The scripture reading is from John 6, 1 through 15. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus answered him, or Philip answered him, it, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. So one of the interesting details about this event that's recorded in John chapter 6 is that when Jesus fed the multitude, did you notice? He did not perform this miracle by himself. He involved other people in the work that he was doing. The, uh, the little boy donated the food, the disciples distributed the bread. There were people who went out and gathered up the baskets of, of leftovers. So um, the, the power, I mean, the power for the miracle clearly came from God. But this is one of those instances where the power of God worked through people, is ordinary people. And the reason I think this is important for us to notice is because the New, the New Testament teaches that when we come to Christ in faith, this is exactly what God intends to do through us. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, when you come to Christ, um, not only does God work in you, God also begins to work through you. you. You become an instrument that God uses uh, in this world to accomplish His work and to accomplish His will. God, God uses you. Now someone says, oh, what does that mean? What does that feel like? What should, what should I expect if God works through me? Well, judging from this passage, I, 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 would, I would suggest this. If when God works through you, you should expect at least three things, all right? Expect God to push you beyond your limits. 
expect God to ask you for what you have. And then, and then third, expect God to reveal Himself to you in new ways. So let me just work through that. First, um, when God works through you, when God uses you, He's probably gonna He's probably gonna push you way beyond your limits. In other words, He's He he's, He will bring you to a place where you just realize and you feel that everything is out of your control. And and I say that because some of you you've read the Bible, you know this. Um, isn't that the normal way? Think of the, all the Bible stories you know. Isn't that just the normal way God works in people's lives? For example, um, Abraham and Sarah, God promised them a son. You know that God could have very easily allowed them con to conceive a child on their honeymoon. They're young, they're fertile, they've got lots of energy. It would have been easy, but God says, no, let's wait till they're both over 90 then they'll make a baby, and they'll always know that that little child is the son of my promise, right? Or another example, when God led the Israelites out of Egypt, He could have very easily taken them straight to Canaan. It wasn't that far of a trip, but no, God says, let me make them wander around in the desert of Egypt until they find themselves trapped between Pharaoh's armies and the Red Sea, and then they'll always know it was my hand that delivered them. God could have easily given Gideon victory over his enemies when he had an army of 32,000 soldiers. That's a big army. And God says, yeah, it's a big army. It's too big. I, I want him to know it was my hand that gave him victory. So he whittles down the, the army. Remember that? To do 300 men? So it's, this is just the normal pattern. I mean, I, can you find an exception in the Bible? Usually... Usually when God works through people, He first brings them to this place of almost desperation. You're just feeling your weakness, and you just realize you cannot do this on your own. And you, you sort of see that playing out in this passage. Verse 1 says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him. Verse 5, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? I, I read this and I wonder, why is, why is Jesus picking on poor Philip? You know, why, why do you do this to the poor guy? Don't put that on him. You're stressing him out. You, know, you expect Philip somehow to come up with the money for, to feed all these people? And verse 7, it seems like Philip is kind of freaking out. He, he says, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one, even to have a bite. He's like, Lord, there is no way. What, what you're asking me, this is too hard. We can't do this. This is way beyond our means. Have you ever felt like that? Have, have you ever... Have you ever felt like what God has called you to do is just way beyond your capacity to do it? You're like, God raised, raising this child, this, this is beyond my ability as a parent. Or, or God forgiving my dad, that's beyond what I'm able to do, or, or God 
fighting this temptation. It just won't go away. This is more than I can handle. Or God, or God dealing with my, my depression. This is, why did you call me to honor you in this way? This is beyond what I, I'm able to. Have you ever felt like it's just more? It's more than you can take. Anyone ever feel that way? Let, let me ask you a question. Why do you think God puts us in situations like that? Is it because he hates us? Is it because he loves to see us fail? Is that? No. Why, look at this passage. Why did, why did Jesus, why was he stressing out poor Philip? Why did he put Philip on the spot like that about this, buying this food? Look at verse 6. You'll see the answer. It says, he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Don't you just love that verse? He already knew. And so I, I, wonder, I wonder if today, if anyone here, right today, I'm not talking about some theoretical idea. Today, you feel, you're in a situation, you just feel overwhelmed. My, my brother, my sister, can I encourage you with this, this thought? God already has in mind what he's going to do. He already knows. And it, I don't know, but it, do you ever wonder? It might be that God has you right now in this place of feeling helpless because right now, God is getting ready to do something really, really big in and through you. Would that surprise you? It wouldn't surprise me. That's the way God works all the time. Pa Pastor uh, Tim Keller said this. He said, you cannot be a channel of God's power until you see your own powerlessness. Maybe God is uh, bringing you to a place of feeling powerless because right now he's sitting on the edge of a seat, he's rolling up his sleeves, he is ready to show his power through you. Doesn't that encourage you? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul this, describes a moment in the life of his life and the life of his friends when, when this happened to them. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 and 9, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. There's a, a Christian woman named Christine Kane from uh, Australia. She and her husband founded a, a nonprofit organization that is battling against, um, uh, against human, human trafficking. So God is really using this couple to do a great work. Here, here's something that Christine Kane said. She said, it is in your broken places that you are most often used by God. Do you believe that? It's not, it's not in those areas of life where you've got it all together, you've got all the answers, that's where God's going to use me. No, she's, she said, I, I, I would agree with her, it's in your broken places that God most often uses you. So, instrument in the hand of God, His power working through you. What should you expect when God works through you? Expect Him to push you beyond your limits. Secondly, expect Him to ask you for what you have 
Again, the passage, verse 8, says another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Uh, Verse 10 says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Look at verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves. Whose loaves did Jesus take? He took the lunch from a little boy. This this was some child's food. Jesus is like, give it, hey, give it to me. You, Junior, give it to me. He it says, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the, the fish. Now, don't, don't miss what's going on here. For God to use this little boy to accomplish a miracle, that child had to take what he had, right, and place it in the hands of Jesus. That's the way it happened. And, and, and would you agree? That's the way it usually is. Before God uses anyone to, in some way to accomplish his work in the world, first he asked them, would you just please release what you have? Just release it, let go, put it in my hands. Think of all the Bible stories you learned in, in Sunday school. Um, Moses. Moses' staff, think about it. It was nothing more than an old walking stick in, 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 until that day by the burning bush at God's command when he released it. Threw it to the ground. Then it became an object of power. David's, uh, David's sling, right? Just a, it was just a little toy used by a shepherd boy until he took that sling and he marched it out onto the Lord's battlefield. Then it had power to slay giants, right? The Israelites' gold. <laughs> it was nothing but earrings, cosmetic jewelry, until they gave their gold to God. Then it was formed into this beautiful tabernacle where the glory of God could dwell, right? So, Before God uses people, he usually says, what what do you have? What do you have? Give it to me. And when they place it in his hands, that's when he works. I don't want to make it sound like this is easy. It's not. I don't know if it was easy for that little boy to give up his food. And I I wonder, uh, most of us have some area where this is a struggle. I wonder what area of life you you find most difficult just to release control to God. For some people, it's their money. There are some people that money is such a touchy subject. Don't talk about that. That's just really, really hard. For, for some of you, it might be your schedule. It might be, God, you know, I, listen, I'll be glad to serve and help out when I have time, but please don't ask me to commit to something week after week. That would tie up my schedule. It's so hard for me to give my schedule to you. For you, maybe it's your home. You know how, you know, in in New York, your home is just, this is your shelter, man. This is where you come and you just rest. And the thought of practicing hospitality, inviting people into your home, God, you're asking too much. So most of us, we have some area where it's hard, where we struggle, that that one loaf of bread that's hard to give to God. And if, if you're struggling in that way, can I just, I want to encourage you with this thought. Listen, Christian. Whenever God asks you to release something to his control, his reason is not, it's not because he's greedy, it's not because he's demanding, it is not because he wants to ruin your life. Whenever God asks you to release something to his control, listen, it's because he wants to do something big through you, through you. Jesus took this boy's lunch. Why? It's not because Jesus is a meanie. 
no. He wanted to do that, a miracle through this child. And someone says, can God really do a miracle through a child? A little child? Listen, God can work through anyone. Amen? Anyone. You, 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 know, you do not have to be the smartest person in the room for God to use you. You don't have to have the most beautiful resume. You don't have to have gone to the best college. You don't have to even gone to college at all. You, you don't have to be the richest, the most talented. Listen, all this boy had to offer was five small barley loaves. Barley was the food of the poor. This was like little biscuits, two tiny fish. And here's what we learned from this. Have you heard this before? God is not concerned about our ability. Hmm? He's concerned about our availability. Are, 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 you, are you willing to just say, God, I don't have much to offer, but if, if you want to use me, here I am. There's a Christian author named um, Diane Sherlaw Ferreira, and I love what she wrote. She said, isn't this true? She said, in the Bible, God does not choose people who are perfect. No, no, not even close. She says, all throughout the Bible, God uses broken vessels. God uses weak people, imperfect people, the flawed, the messed up. No one, she says, is too broken for God. So, so the, question, the question God is asking is not, how talented are you? How gifted are you? The, the question that God is asking is, are you willing to take whatever you have and just put it in my hands? Uh, Romans 12.1. Do you know this verse? Romans 12.1, the apostle said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What an image, like placing yourself on the altar. To offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This, he said, this is your true and proper worship. There, there's, an old, um, there's an old hymn, I bet some of you know this hymn, where the, the songwriter, it's sort of a prayer, and he's expressing his desire to do that, just to place himself on the altar and give everything he's got to the Lord. And I, this is one of those hymns that's worth Googling and, and, uh, and just making it a prayer, maybe even pray it every day this week. So let me read the words to you. It goes like this. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever, only, all for thee. It takes a lot of faith to pray, to pray that prayer, doesn't it? Just a, a trust that if I, if with, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm probably going to need a lot of help, but if I just take what I have and give it to God, He will use me. So, when God uses you, expect Him to push you beyond your limits Expect Him to ask you for what you have. And, and then finally, ex just expect God to make Himself known. Ex express, expect that in this process, God will reveal new truths about Himself to you, deep personal truths that you did not know before. 
Now look at verse 14. Verse 14, after the miracle is done, it says, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Notice they didn't say this is a prophet. They say this is the prophet. And most certainly here they are referring to a a prophecy that that Moses made way back in, in Deuteronomy, a prophecy about the Messiah. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, Moses said this to Israel. He said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. A prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. And this, they understood, this is one of the prophecies. This is is one of the indicators. You'll know, you will know that the Messiah is here when you see a prophet who is like Moses. Now, remember what God did with Moses, right? God used Moses to give the people manna, right? God, through Moses, God gave them this miraculous bread in the wilderness. And so here in John 6, when the, when the people see Jesus giving them miraculous bread in the wilderness, the, the, the light bulb comes on. They say, wait a minute. This is the prophet like Moses. This is, this is the promised one. He's the anointed one. The one we've been waiting for, this is the Messiah, right? It's, uh, they, they can't believe he's here with us right now. Now, they understood that the Messiah, the anointed one, is to come to be Israel's king. The Messiah is prophet, and the Messiah is priest, and the Messiah is king. And so when they see Jesus saying, this is the one, he's the one, what do they do? They say, let's make him king. It it says, verse 15, they intended to come and make Jesus king by force. He should be our king. He's the one that should should lead our armies into battle and and throw out the Romans and take over the land and establish God's government here. Let's make him king. And isn't it weird? Jesus would not let them. Verse 15, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now, isn't that puzzling? Why, why won't he, he's showing them he's the Messiah? He's the one who's giving them bread in the wilderness. Why will he not let them do what you're supposed to do with the Messiah? Why will he not let them make him king? What kind of Messiah is this? Well, what kind of king refuses a crown? There's only one kind. A king who came seeking a cross, not seeking a crown, came seeking a cross. So so, um, what we learn in, in the gospel is that Jesus, he will come someday to rule this world in power, but when he came the first time, he did not come to rule the world with power. He came to rescue the world through weakness, right? He, he, didn't, he didn't come to wield his authority over people. He came to pour out his life for people, right? And this, this event right here in John chapter 6, this is one of those moments where the disciples, his followers, they begin to see this, that he is a king like no other, that he is the Messiah 
better than they ever dreamed. They, they start to see this here. Now, they, <laughs> they have a lot more to learn. There's a lot that they don't yet understand. But this is, one of, this is one of those moments where they begin to understand who Jesus is. In fact, at the end of John chapter 6, John, verse 69, here's what the disciples say, the followers. They say to Jesus, they say, we have come to know and believe that you are the Holy One of God. Now, here's my question. How, how did the disciples gain this new insight? Someone says, well, they spent the whole day listening to Jesus' teaching. Yes, but everyone in the crowd spent the day listening to Jesus' teaching. The whole multitude heard his teaching. And at the end of John chapter 6, everyone in the crowd abandoned Jesus. They wanted nothing more to do with him. They, they were disgusted with him. Only the disciples remained. So what made the difference? They all heard the same teaching. What, why were the disciples able to see this is who Jesus is? I wonder if it's because in addition to hearing his teaching, the disciples also joined Jesus in his work. They didn't just sit there and listen to what, they, they let him work through them. And I, I, I tend to think that's why God was able to engender within them, their hearts this, uh, this growing understanding. I know him better now. I know who he is. And, and I, I, in my experience, that's often the way it is. We can uh, sit and hear teaching about the Lord for years. And it's, it's, not, it's not until we kind of take what we have and put it in his hands and say, all right, Lord, work through me. And that's when we start to get to know God better, better than we did before. I, 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 years ago, I, I pastored a church in North Jersey, and uh, one fall, we needed a teacher for one of the children's Sunday school classes. I think it was like third grade Sunday school. There was a woman in our church, really wonderful uh, Christian woman. She had been um, in the church for years, and she'd grown up in church. She'd been in church her whole life. This really, really great woman named Wanda. And uh, I, I went to Wanda. I said, would you be willing to teach this Sunday school class? She said, I don't know. I've never done that. I don't know if I can do this. She agreed to teach these children. About three or four weeks later, I get the phone rings. I answer it. It's Wanda. And she says, oh, pastor, you can't believe. This is, I'm learning so much about God. I'm learning new things in the Bible. She starts pointing out things in the Bible. Did you know the Bible says this? Do you know it says that? Do you know this about God? And I was like, Wanda, how are you learning all this? You know the answer. She said, by teaching these kids. Isn't, isn't that something? In church her whole life, and it's not till this moment where she uh, says, God, I, I don't feel capable to do this, but if you want to use me, work through me, she gets to know Christ better than she did before. And it's very often that way. A, pa a pastor named Daryl Hilbert said this. He said, serving the Lord in any capacity brings spiritual growth to the server because he or she is being used by God. Now, it's important to point out here that uh, you talk about spiritual growth and knowing Christ better. There's a lot more to spiritual growth than just um, letting God work through you. In fact, you'll find some people are very, very involved in the Lord's work, and they're, they're not growing at all. So there's more to it than just that, okay? 
But I would say that it's, it's virtually impossible for a follower of Christ to be growing in their relationship with Jesus if they're not allowing Him to work through them in some way. Almost impossible. So if someone says, you know, I, I, want, I want God to lead me. I want God to guide me. I want God to be directing my life. And that's a good thing, right? But you, you remember, you, you can't steer a parked car, Right? It's almost impossible for God to lead us if, we're not, if there's no movement, if we're not doing anything. One, uh, one translation of Philemon 1 verse 6 says this. Paul's writing to this man Philemon, and he says, I pray that you will be active. Isn't that an interesting prayer? He says, I pray that you will be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Now, that verse, is, it's, it's notoriously difficult to translate, but it seems to be saying that there is a link between our growing in our personal knowledge of Christ as our friend, as our Savior. There's a link between that and our willingness to participate in the work of the Lord. So, uh, if that's true, here's a, here's a question um, for Christians here. Christian. If, here's the question. If the growth or decline of your relationship with Jesus, let's say over the next six months, if the growth or decline of your relationship with Jesus over the next six months, if it depends entirely on your willingness to let God work through you, six months from now, how are you going to be? Closer to Jesus or farther away? That's one of those questions we just have to deal with, Right? Because here's the good news. When we come to Christ, not only does God want to work in us, it just thrills me. He wants to work through us, His power through you. Now, why is that? Is it, does God just want to keep us busy? You know, keep us out of kills, keep them out of trouble, let's get them busy. Or, or does God need our help? Can't imagine that. He, created the universe out of nothing. It doesn't need me. So why, why does God want to work through you, with you? Imagine, I'll close with this. Imagine there's a woman that is going out to work in her vegetable garden, and she brings her four-year-old son to work with her. Why? Does she need him? <laughs> How about a four-year-old there is going to make the work harder, not easier, right? It's going to be, it's going to be why, does she, why does she want her little boy to work with her? Because she loves her child, and she loves spending time with her child. And, and, and she knows that as she points out the little weeds and, 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 and guides his little hands, he's going to come to know his mother's love for him better than before. Why does God want you involved in His work in this world? Because He loves His child. And He longs to spend time with you. He wants to work through you. He wants, listen, He wants you to know Him because He loves you. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I just ask in whatever, in whatever way... Um, we might be sensing pushback in our heart right now when we hear this invitation for you to, let, to, to give what we have to you and let you work through us. 
all those little voices that are saying, no, no don't do it, don't do it. I, I just pray that to those areas of doubt or fear or resistance that you would just breathe faith and hope and assure us that when you call us, you call us because you love us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.